Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, old-time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. This week's friend is David Deacon, and he curated a nice handful of Kentucky fiddle tunes for us to play. We recorded this at the Brandywine Revival Festival last summer, hidden away up the path near a still pond with a lot of mosquitoes. You can still hear some distant jams from the other side of the holler, and a very alarming bullfrog makes an appearance. Lots of these episodes were recorded in settings similarly clandestine at all the festivals last year. If you run a festival and would like Get Up in the Cool to feature in a more official capacity, please let me know through the show's Facebook page or the contact form on my website, CameronDeWitt.com. I'm already in talks with the Black Creek Fiddlers reunion folks about setting something up, and I would love to talk to you. Also, this episode has an explicit tag because in it... I shared an anecdote that required me to say a cuss. So if you're of the grandmotherly persuasion, I apologize if I offend your sensibilities. I really want the show to be kid and grandma friendly whenever possible, but I also want to quote Irish people every once in a while. So what are you going to do? Well, you're going to say a cuss and offer a trigger warning before. That's what. Stick around after the interview to hear details on how to support the show and get access to this week's exclusive bonus track, the best version of Dry and Dusty, period. It's only slightly different from the one you already know, but man, makes a big difference. All right, let's get it started, people. I hope you enjoy my jam and chat with David Deacon. Jenny, get around. <laughs> uh, welcome to the podcast, David Deacon. Hi. Yeah. 
Glad to be here. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, we are at the third annual Brandywine Revival Festival, and we are up on the road near the river um, in a patch of weeds playing old-time tunes. <laughs> Try to get as far away from the uh, all the other jams as we could. Yeah. We could still hear them. I don't know if it's going to come through on the recording or not, but that's, that's the setting to paint yeah. the picture for you. So, what, yeah, what are... Uh, what are we playing today? What's the theme? Well, I've got a bunch of tunes here from Kentucky, because that's just what I'm listening to these days. Yeah, what's so what's interesting about Kentucky fiddle music? It's a little lonesome. As, okay. Well, that's kind of what I liked about it. You know, other stuff drives more, maybe, mm-hmm. but I like melody. Yeah. And what you get in Kentucky is some sweet melodies. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I I've often thought that the uh, the rhythms and melody that I've heard in Kentucky tunes are emotionally complicated. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's good. Is that Greek Greek tune or Greek medley? Do you know about this? No. Someone played it at Clifftop last year for the thing, and I think it's a Kentucky tune. It had this thing where it had like a major seven on top and a flat seven on the bottom uh-huh. is that a kentucky thing yeah um that's bonkers <laughs> sounding yeah <laughs> that's so spooky yeah 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 um yeah who who do you who do you like to listen to well i've been listening a lot to i've been listening for probably 40 years to jp fraley yeah and um as a kid learning to play the fiddle he was probably the person i wanted to sound like the most mm. Um, his wild rose of the mountain with the long, lonesome, drawn-out notes. Mm. That's what I was after. J.P. Fraley. Yeah. So that's sort of your introduction yeah. into... Introduction. Yeah. And I'm, um, I found some reissues recently of some old Clyde Davenport stuff. Yeah. Um, that was my introduction to, yeah. to Kentucky music. And his stuff and is a nice sort of, you know, there's a nice bounce to it, mm-hmm. and a nice lilt to it. How did you get into playing fiddle, and was old-time music uh, where you started, or violin, or what? Old-time music and Irish at the same time. Okay, great. So I've always done sort of a combination of old-time and Irish. Yeah, and how? But when when did you start playing fiddle? 77, so I, when I was 13. 77, okay, and you, yeah. you were a clawhammer banjo from I started that in about 1974. 1974. When I was 10. When you're 10 years old. <laughs> why why is a 10-year-old playing claw hammer banjo? That's a very strange idea, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> How did you get into that as your most people are like, yeah. "Oh, I'm t- going to take piano lessons." Why claw hammer banjo? We my as a family, we were very involved with the Philadelphia Folk Song Society. And I heard people playing claw hammer banjo and I just loved the sound. Yeah. And, uh, um, yeah, what else were you exposed to from the Philadelphia Folk Song Society? All sorts. Well, uh, in Philadelphia, also um, connections with the Irish American community. Yeah. That, there were, you know, they consciously building bridges at that point. Right. You know, Mick Maloney, an nope. Irish musician. He was a, an Irish musician who came over to graduate school at the University of Pennsylvania. And so expanded the the whole wow. sort of folk scene there just by and himself in a way <laughs> yeah. uh, well he and Kenneth Goldstein working yeah. together and he met 
an old, uh, well, he wasn't really old. He seemed old at that time to me. What the um, hell is that? Yeah, those are bullfrogs. That's what a bullfrog sounds like? Yeah. I've been living in Philly too long. I don't <laughs> <Yeah>. know. <laughs> uh, sorry, you were saying Kenneth Goldstein? Yeah, yeah. who was, uh, um, but he was very active in the Folk Song Society, taught folklore at Penn. Yeah. And um, so he sort of helped inspire Mick Maloney to come over. But then at the same time, people... You, I think we have much more discrete communities these days. Yes. I th- and at, at that point, in a sense, it was all folk music. So, you know, you were you could sort of pick and choose. And, right. You know. It was all sort of, I don't, I mean, this is, this is way before my time, but my impression <laughs> is that there was sort of a general, like, let's bring back traditional acoustic music yeah and you didn't really care what it was what flavor it was it right. was just like all sort of thrown together yeah and that was the folk song society and the folk revival in general right, right. so you know you'd go to a concert at a folk festival and you'd have a uh, a scottish ballad singer right yes. before dave van ronk singing yes blues yes and that sort of thing right so uh, it's exciting yeah <laughs> so you play irish fiddle too yeah um more, I play more tenor banjo in Irish music. Oh, I've been kind of interested in getting into playing tenor banjo yeah. f- for that reason, so uh-huh. that I could have a way to play with Irish players. Yeah. What What is the the culture like in an in an Irish jam? It's very similar to the old time jams these days. Uh huh. Um, most uh, we play mostly in pubs. Okay. So um, and so. In the uh, in some ways the drinking is more formalized because uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're at a bar, uh, uh, you know. I'm sure there are plenty of plenty of bottles around here right now. Yes. But uh, you know, uh, it's a different sort of scene that way. But um, but you know, you go around and people start tunes and. Yeah. Is the uh, what's the etiquette like? Is it similarly? Is it exclusive? Inclusive? Depends on the session. Okay. Um, some sessions will be much more open than others. Yeah. Um, I play in one in Syracuse that is mostly a closed session. Okay. We do it mostly by invitation, partly because you don't want to overload the bar with musicians, so you have True, to. True. Yeah. You have to be sort of careful. I only went to. Uh, I've only been in one Irish jam. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Actually, that's not true. I went. To, I sat in on one at Clifftop once. Okay. But. One Irish jam at, at a pub. Yeah. It was in Portland, Oregon, which is where I'm from. Yeah. And uh, I didn't really know any better. I just sat. I just snuck in. And uh, I'm about to use a bad word, grandma trigger warning. But <laughs> the uh, <laughs> there's the older um, older gentleman playing accordion looked up after the tune and said, "That's what I thought." It's a fucking banjo. <laughs> and uh, he, it wasn't, it wasn't specific, specifically negative, right. but it definitely wasn't affirming either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, at that point, the woman who I was next to said, oh, you must play old time music. Let's play a couple old time tunes. <laughs> so I ended up hi- hijacking this Irish jam for a minute. And they seemed a little bit annoyed because this yeah. <laughs> woman wanted to mix it up a little bit. Yeah. So we, I barely knew any tunes at that point. I think we played Over the Waterfall or something. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, 
old time music. JP Fraley right. covered that. Um, let's get let's get into the next tune. We were gonna play. Yeah, Jeff Sturgeon, which to me is you know one of the if there is a kind of real model of an old time tune, Jeff Sturgeon to me is kind of that tune. Yeah, that that makes sense you know, to me. I, yeah, I, the way uh, I learned this at Clifftop uh, in 2014, okay. and the way that this tune got called is uh, Scotty Leach. You know Scotty? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, him and I were, we had just met and we were talking about people that we mutually knew. Yeah. And then he said, oh, oh, do you know Jeff Sturgeon? <laughs> you see where this is going? <laughs> and I said, gosh, you know, that name sounds real familiar. <laughs> and it took a couple minutes before I realized he was trying to start a tune. Right. And he was just changing the subject <laughs> but That's uh, funny. now i know jeff sturgeon yeah <laughs> do you know is there a, yeah who well who jeff sturgeon apparently was a fiddler was a fiddler. and so this was a tune he played um john salyer is a sort of source recording yeah um one of the great kentucky fiddlers it's a it's a difficult tune rhythmically and to figure it out, I went to a book on old-time Kentucky mm-hmm. fiddling by Jeff Todd Titan, and the notation helped a lot. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, it's got a, it's got a little extra in there. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it stretches Some a of those bumps. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm gonna. Yeah. Uh, do you do four potatoes, eight potatoes? What do you well, like? Want me to do? do some? Yeah, do four potatoes. Yeah. I'll come right in with you.
Jeff Sturgeon. <laughs> That's a real it's good a one. It's a great tune. Yeah, that is sort of a quintessential. Yeah. Quintessential old time tune, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's got everything. It's got the irregular rhythm. Mm-hmm. It's got some little modal turns yeah. in it. And, uh... Um, that's a Salier. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't know that. that I'm sh- really showing my ignorance. I didn't know that Salier was a Kentucky fiddler. Ah, what yeah. else is Salier known for? He did the Gen- uh, Jenny Get Around too. That's one of. That's also Salier. Yeah. They um. They always are a little squirrely. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I've heard very little of his actual recording. They were home recordings that he made. Oh, interesting. Um, there's some included in Titan's book, but uh, but I haven't listened to, you know, I, you get a whole disc of Clyde Davenport, yeah. but um, I haven't picked one up from him. So let's uh, go back a little bit. Uh, Clawhammer banjo at 10. Yeah. Fiddle at 13. Yeah. Um, were you... Just going to like the folk song society and jamming. Were there old time jams in Philly at that point, or what was the culture they, like? There were, I think, but I was a bit young. Right. And uh, I had weekly lessons. Right. And that's that's where I got most of what I was doing. Sure. So, when did you uh, start sort of developing your own community outside of a lesson? It's context? really not till I went to college. Yeah, where did you go? I went to Marlborough College, Southern Vermont. Southern Vermont. Very small school, 150 students at that point. Is there an old-time community? In- and there there was. The whole Western Massachusetts, Southern Vermont, yeah, New Hampshire yeah. thing. Uh, and there weren't very many of us, but we got together and played regularly. And so um, you, were, um, you were studying history there? I was studying... Irish history and literature. Irish history and literature. Interesting. Yeah, a complete uh, liberal arts <laughs> yeah. person there. <laughs> so you're just like, oh, so excited to make all the money someday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> From all my knowledge about <laughs> Irish history and literature. Right. Uh, okay, so, yeah, who... When was this? This was early 80s. Early 80s? 82 to about 85. Fiddler I played with a lot was uh, still plays. Um, I ran into him at Lake Gennaro. Named uh, his name is David Gordon. Um, but I didn't have a car, so I didn't get very far away from school. Right. But we played a lot together, um, and some some other people who came trickling through. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, this is so curious to me because I haven't actually met that many other people who learned to play old time music. Yeah. From lessons. Like, right. how many years of lessons did you take? I took, let's see, about three and a half years. What, what did your lessons look like? Well, we started with scales. Okay. Um, every key and every mode of every key. Uh, so, every old-time key or every key, period? Every key, period. Okay. Um, you know, seven notes, several octaves, two or three octaves. But this was an old-time fiddler who was teaching you. Yeah. Well, yeah, an old, a classically trained old-time fiddler. Okay. <laughs> um, and worked on bowing and things. Right. 
So you and did a then, lot of like mechanics and technique right. stuff. Okay. And then we'd uh, just work on tunes after that. Right. Yeah. Was how did you? How, what was the learning process of learning tunes? Of learning tunes, um, my teacher recorded tune twice: once slow, once fast. Right. And so I could take it home, and then we just worked it out phrase by phrase. Yeah. I still think phrase by phrase. Sure, sure. That's the uh, you know I learn at a line at a time. Yeah. Still. Um, and, uh, so it was just, you know, kind of, uh, that, that consistent working on things like that. When you, uh, when you went to school and started being an adult Uh, playing music outside of, yeah, a lesson context outside of an academic context, uh, did anything change, uh, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, well, I think I, I, it wasn't till then that I really started to get, I think, a, my own sense of a style. Sure. My own, you know, the consciousness of how I use the bow. Yeah. Um, the tone that I was really, that I was really trying to find for myself. And had you sense. gone, so you hadn't gone to many jams. No. What uh, was, how big was the jam you were going to in school? Oh, two or three people, usually. Okay. Very small. So you didn't necessarily have to navigate like no any politics jam, or jam culture or politics no. or anything. Yeah. Not that it's, I say this over and over on this podcast, there are curmudgeons in old time music, but for the most part, <laughs> it's pretty welcoming and pretty awesome. Yeah, it yeah, is. It's inclusive. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've only really gotten into the big time jamming scene where we'll have 10 or 15 people yeah. and I drive distances to jams and festivals only in the last few years. Interesting. Um, so yeah, like how, what did your, I'm always interested in like why people play old time music. Cause right. I'm still trying to figure out like why I do it. I mean, I feel very compelled to do it, you know, but people come, it's a very diverse group. Sure. At least in terms of interests and background. Right. There's a, uh, what like place did it have in your life? Did you play fiddle and banjo every day before you started? So yeah. Um, ritual? Mo- well, most days, certainly. Um, and even if I wasn't jamming with people, I'd get home and I'd play a tune here and there. So you, you felt, know. would you say that it was, uh, is it the routine or was it the, just the sensual experience alone of hearing a fiddle that did it for you? Some of, yeah, certainly some of that. Yeah. Um, in a way, banjo's even worse that way. It's, you know, there's something very much, you know, that's arresting about the banjo. Sure. The, the intricate rhythms and stuff. Yeah. But, um, you know, and then also, this, these, this is, the, in a sense, the ritual that marks my life, you know. Yeah. It has for over 40 years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting that you have only, you said the last five years? Yeah, since... 2013. Really. Yeah, what, what happened? Did you just get invited to something or what? Yeah, well, it seems like something you would I, have been doing forever. Yeah. I, because but, you've been playing for so long. I, I was aware of some old time musicians. I was, I'm in Syracuse and have been for 20 years. Yeah. Um, and I played Irish sessions. Yeah. Deborah Justice. Yes. Moved to Syracuse. Yeah. And she saw me playing tenor banjo at the Irish session, and she said, "You don't happen to know anybody who plays clawhammer?" Yeah. And so I started showing her some things in clawhammer, mm. 
And then I said, well, I know this guy. Why don't we get, why don't we call Joe up and we'll see if he wants to get together. And Joe said, well, I know these other people. And yeah. so we, we started to build a community that way. And then Ithaca's not that far away. Sure. And, and that's a the big, big scene. scene. Yeah. Ithaca has more than one scene in a right, way, right. I think. Um, it's that rich. <laughs> but um, so it's it sort of picked up speed since then. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Uh, let's let's play the next tune. Uh, do you remember what we decided? Are we doing, uh, are we going to, no, we're going to, to standard tune. I think we're doing Maysville, aren't we? Mm-hmm. We're going to do, oh, no, we're going to do camp meeting. Okay. In D. Yeah, let's tune real quick to, to play camp meeting. Okay, we're in okay. D. Yeah. <laughs> now wait, will you just <laughs> describe this tuning for, to go a little inside, inside fiddle real quick? Yeah, one of the things to me certainly that makes old time fiddle distinctive yes. is changing tunings for different keys. Right. And one of the tunings that I particularly like is tune from low to high, A, D, A, D. So you're just tuned in octaves. Yeah. And it gives you a ring um, on the top string uh, with with an open D note yeah. there. Um, to me, that drives the tune. Yeah. I uh, didn't even know that tuning was an option. I'm going to uh, experiment with that. <laughs> uh, these days, if I can play in this tuning, I do. Great. Good <laughs> to know. Because it's... Uh, it, it, and tuning the, uh, the high string down a little softens the tone somewhat, yeah. too. I could probably use that. <laughs> <laughs> we all, we any, all can Any sometimes. softening of tone <laughs> for me at this point in my fiddling would be helpful. Uh, all right. Uh, but this is a tune that came out of Clifftop for me. Okay. Uh, it was my favorite tune of last summer. <laughs> and who... So, uh, what's the source recording that you listen to? Old source recordings. It was really from just playing it in jams and stuff. And then I went to uh, Milliner and Coken's collection. Yes, yes. And I think the reason why I think of it as a Kentucky tune is I probably looked up their source. Right. Um, but you don't remember the but name. But I don't the remember. Th- I don't remember the name. Well, that is fine. Uh, <laughs> right in. <laughs> Camp meeting on the Fourth of July. Right, yeah. Great. Here goes. I'm gonna let you do the first pass, and then I'm gonna okay. jump in. Thank you. 
got a woo. We have an audience. <laughs> Camp meeting on the yeah. 4th of July. That's a real pretty tune. It is. You were saying earlier how the four chord. Yeah. It's just a little lift. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't know what the four chord is, it's part that goes. Yeah. It's a real sweet, sweet moment. Yeah. Any tune that has that. Yeah. Uh, Dog. Coondog has yeah. that. <laughs> That's a two o'clock in the morning kind of tune oh, for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right on. So this was a Clifftop favorite last yeah. year. Right yeah. Right on. Uh, did, how long have you been going to Clifftop? I've only been two years. Two years. So, right going on three. Me too. <laughs> the two consecutive? Yeah. Just the last yeah. two? Yeah. Very cool. You know, I started, first time I started right uh, camping right where you come in, in the field down below before you climb the hill. Yeah. Last year uh-huh. I, was, I was in the, what I think of as the inner sanctum. Sure, sure. <laughs> where it's almost too crowded to pitch a tent. But yeah. <laughs> what, what did you do with your free time before? Because like going to jams and festivals all summer, like... It's it takes up a lot of time. What did you what did you do with your life before you did? I was all in that? graduate school. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I, it took me a very long time to get through graduate school. Now, you studied so undergrad you did uh, Irish Irish history and literature. History and literature. What did you do your master's in? Folklore. Folklore at UNC Chapel Hill. And then your doctorate in American history. American history. Yeah. So is there any connection? between your interest in history mm-hmm. and your interest in traditional music? Especially through... My interest in folklore is was always kind of historical. Okay. Be, um, partly because I was kind of shy when it came out came to going out and interviewing people. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was easier to study yeah. documents and yes. books and stuff. Things people already interviewed. And yes. <laughs> pre-existing um, materials, sure. And... Uh, but then I study kind of community life, yeah, and um, small towns. What life is like in small towns? Why? Why was that interesting? Um, and is it? In- why is it interesting? And was it before? So, well, I lived in uh, I lived in a small town in Vermont for a while. Yeah, uh, and uh, <coughs> did wh- you grow up in West Philly? I grew up at 69th and Woodland in West Philly. Okay. Um, and then 1980, and I was still in high school. Yeah. Like a lot of people leaving Philadelphia at that point, we picked up and moved to Vermont. Sure. I uh, bet that was a bit of a culture shock. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to uh, go from a big city, big urban neighborhood to a town of 3,000 people. Yeah. Uh, so you're saying that's your interest in community life. Yeah. And you, you know, you get communities and cities, but yes, but, but uh, you know, what music is and how it functioned, is, it's part of the glue of communities. Yes, and uh, yeah, I found that living in North Carolina, that you know, you'd get together for picking parties. Yeah, and it, it, it was a, you know, they always said a prayer. I, I played with a lot of religious people. It seemed in North Carolina, but they, uh, it, they would always give thanks for the fellowship yeah and that's community yeah so uh and so uh you know i have this broader historical interest in how that works yeah Uh, yeah it seems um 
I've, I write songs too, uh-huh. and I actually started uh, writing songs on the banjo. It took me a uh-huh. long time to get into playing old time. Yeah. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, lately I've been just just wondering what is the place mm-hmm. of a songwriter today? What's the purpose? Because most people, the way they consume music right. is either popular music that's industrialized, you right, know, yeah. or... Um, which is to say just through the music industry and right. made to make money or they're going to see songwriters or right. bands that are making original music there's so much original music and that's sort of the only the context of, of today is like if you're going to go see music you're probably going to go see right. original music that your friends you're going to go see your friend's band yeah. or something or go see them at a coffee shop and I often wonder like how many people actually want to be doing that? And are mm-hmm. are they just doing that because they're lacking a, a real music community that's yeah. like uh, actually inclusive? Right. You know, it's broken down into sort of specialization and mm-hmm. it's consumer oriented. And, you know, I love writing songs and I feel like it's an important thing for people to do. Yeah. But lately I've been just like, you know, every time I play old time music, yeah, it's just... I get to play with so many awesome people and we speak the same language right. and I, and I get the a simultaneous like fulfillment and right. a spiritual communal yeah. fulfillment yeah. out of it that I like almost never get when I do songwriting, <laughs> right. even though, even though my songs are like ostensibly more personal right. and more like intimate, mm-hmm. um, there's no... I don't I don't connect as much with them as I do when right. I sing these silly s- silly yeah. tunes with words floppy eared mule or yeah. whatever you know like yeah. connects so much more with that. Yeah. It's the difference between performance and just sort of shared yeah. Um, you know participation. Certainly. Um and you know certainly it's important to have both I think. Yeah. You know, I listen to a lot of this sort sure. of performance music. Yeah. And we have we have a bit of that in old time, too. Yeah, I mean... Definitely. Um, but still, I think what drives us on is probably more the getting together yes. with friends and strangers. And yeah. knowing that, you know, here you have something in common. You both know this tune, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I often think about uh, the people who I'm... I would actually say not just acquaintance with, but like friends with now yeah. in the old time community. I probably wouldn't be friends with them if not for the old time community. Right. Which isn't to say that the only thing we have in common is old time yeah. music, but it's you know I, I guess I'm wandering into unprocessed territory a little bit. Right. I don't know exactly yeah. what I'm trying to say, other than like it's it's an opportunity to connect with people, and it's and it, it's an excuse to connect with people and you want to do it anyway. You just don't necessarily have, you can only talk about game of Thrones for so long. (laughs) You know know. what I mean? (laughs) Like, you know, and, and in our local jams, even with just a few people, we have politically left to right. Yeah. Religiously. Yeah. You know, uh, devout to, you know, uninvolved. Yes. Uh, But, we find we have something in common. Yeah. And that that's kind of one of the rewarding things. Yeah. yeah. It is rewarding. Uh, let's play this Maysville. This okay. Is, 
let's play I need the. To tune uh, it. Yeah, let's go to C. So, Maysville, and you said this is Salyer too? No, this is J.P. Fraley. This is J.P. Fraley. And this is the aforementioned bumpy tune. Right. It's got, in the second part, it has long drawn out notes at the end of, in the middle of the second part and then at the end. You know, the part that really threw me is the very first phrase. Really? Oh, interesting. I still don't really understand it. I know how to hang with it, uh-huh. but it re- I just don't musically understand. For some reason, that feels unprecedented to me. Yeah. As it's such a strange little intro. It feels like it's the end of the tune, and uh-huh. you're starting with it. Uh-huh. It was a hard tune to learn. <laughs> uh, and in fact, it was a tune that reading it off of music, to me, didn't make sense. Okay. I had to I had to put it into software to slow it down and yeah. just imitate. I need to get some of that slowy downy <laughs> software. There's some there's some tunes that I haven't learned just because because it's just too fast and too bonker sounding. Right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh Maysville, yeah. JP Fraley. Your uh, as far as you're concerned, <laughs> patron saint of Kentucky fiddling. Well, yeah, yeah, the first the person I yeah. went to first. <laughs> right on. Uh, yeah, four potatoes. Yeah, sure. And uh, how about you just call when you want it, when you want it to be done. Okay, I'll let you call I'll, it, and I'll come right in with you. you. Sure. Thank you. 
with bugs. With bugs, yeah, you were fighting them off. They either really liked that tune or really disliked that tune. Yeah. Get them to stop. You're like, keep playing. <laughs> Cuddle. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, what an interesting tune. What an, yeah. And it, yeah, and this it has that lonesome feel. Yeah. I mean, nothing more lonesome than a minor chord. Right. But especially in the context of an otherwise very major right. major tune. Yeah. That ends on I know. It's Yeah. That's what was you know, my theory of tunes is that to learn a tune it has to have one compelling reason to make you want to know it. Yeah. And I think it's that that <coughs> lonesome touch there. Yes. Yeah, typically there's if I if I remember a tune that I learned through osmosis in a jam mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that you know I didn't research on my own. If I yeah. learn a tune it's because it has some little hook in it. Yeah. This little moment and it may be in the middle of the B section or whatever. Right. But I can always remember it if I start it there and then the rest of it just comes naturally. Yeah. But yeah, it's weird how uh, sometimes the best tunes just have like a lot of filler. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. they're a non a non tune. Yeah. You yeah. know, or it's just sort of uh, Yeah. It's not just playing chords, but it's uh Yeah. It's just a rhythmic sort of thing and then it'll have um this like real sweet little moment uh jake uh blunt would had a picked a lot of tunes like that yeah they had like uh that just sort of trance out and then they have this moment that's like or something like that that uh it's sort of catch catch your attention then you trance back out and uh he's into the groove he is yeah definitely yeah no one's no one's gonna argue that. <laughs> well, I think we uh, I think we have time to end on Rebels Raid, right? Rebels That's the one Raid, we haven't yeah. played. Let's tune and then uh, we'll, we'll play Rebels Raid. All right. Yeah. Are you good to go? Yeah. Because you're in standard still. I'm. Yeah, I'm in standard. Great. Uh, what is the n- deal with this title, Rebels Raid? What's going on there? I'd, I'd think it, it refers to the sort of Confederate raiding parties. It's a, because Kentucky was a border state. Yeah. It, it was a slave state and a southern state, but it never left the Union during the war. Oh. And so during the war, there was a lot of kind of guerrilla activity. Right. And so this is what... And there are a couple tunes called Rebels Raid. Yeah. One, Ed Haley did one in A. But this is the one that really struck me when I... Just on an anthology recording yeah. of William Stepp playing it. Now is this? I mean, not that it matters, but is this like from the perspective of like a Union soldier or something, or from the perspective of a Confederate soldier or something, ah, or like? Wh- who? That's an interpretive thing you can bring to it, I suppose. Yeah, so. I'm just always curious about that. Yeah, you know how like I guess Seneca Square Dance right. is is the same as Waiting for the Federals, except right. for one's north, one's south. Right. Yeah. I, <laughs> I think the, the beginning of this is happy enough that maybe it maybe it's from the the uh, southern perspective. Yeah. <laughs> uh, s- such a fraught genre in history we have yeah. with all time music. <laughs> all right. This one's for you, Confederates. <laughs> Let the record show. <laughs> 
Uh, bunch of Yankees playing, <laughs> oh, uh, celebrating the Rebels. Uh, we're going to end it after this. So thank you so much uh, for being on the show, David. This is oh, well, well, thanks. This yeah. is great fun. Yeah, man. Hey friends, thanks for listening. If you really enjoyed this episode, maybe today's the day you sign up to support Get Up In The Cool on Patreon. Just go to CameronDeWitt.com and click the button that says Patreon, or click the link in this episode's description. 
there are lots of neat rewards for supporters, like access to the weekly bonus track and MP3 downloads. Not to mention heaps of the sincerest grade A gratitude you'll get all week. Because really, how many people do you know that pay money for free stuff? Not a lot. The internet is a cold and lonely place where everyone's a voyeur or worse, an exhibitionist like me, and we're all expected to work for pennies or less. Let me put it this way. Can you think of anything less Trump-like than offering your money to a free old-time music podcast? When you think about it, it's pretty goddamn subversive. Bigly subversive, you could even say. I mean, it's no replacement for calling your representatives, of course, but you might feel the results quicker. Anyway, just go to CameronDeWitt.com and click the button that says Patreon, or click on the link in this episode's description. To those of you who are already supporting Get Up In The Cool on Patreon, you're the best. Seriously, I'm emboldened by your support. I do not think I would still be doing this if it weren't for you. One more thing before I go, I'm planning on hanging out in Boston for President's Day weekend, and I want to record like five or six episodes if possible. So if you're going to be in the area and want to be a guest on the show, please let me know. Let's talk. If you want to set up a live show at like a venue or at a house, let's definitely talk. Thanks again for listening, friends. I'll see you same time next week for more Get Up In The Cool.